Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, August 6, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, we're back together again Hi. for the first time in a while, right? A very long time, I know. We uh, haven't been together since last Wednesday's episode, I believe. I think yeah, that's right. Yeah, last Wednesday's episode. Um, part of the reason was that you moved Did to move. Brooklyn. I moved right? back to Brooklyn. Did you automatically grow a beard and sprout a beanie on the top of your head uh, yeah. by, by moving back to Brooklyn? I also grew a beanie and sprouted a beard. And that, that I was going to put that in the outtakes, but uh, that's right. You just trying to show up. It's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you are, are back in Brooklyn where all the cool kids are. Yeah. Uh, so uh, congratulations on that. I wanna... Thanks. I have so many boxes to unpack. It's, yeah. I feel like it's going to last for the rest of my life. At, at this point, you move so often, just leave it back. I know, I know. I listened back to Monday's show that I did on my own, and I realized that I didn't... I, I kind of buried the lead on one of the stories, on the last mm. story, actually, uh, or one of the last stories. Um, I didn't mention the fact that the prom had a wedding, and I thought it would be obvious by the names, but apparently I realized, hey, that's not, not always easy to understand names. It was a wedding between two women. Which I mean, makes sense with the prom. Obviously. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I, I don't know if that was communicated by the names of the women. Um, uh, one of them had a slightly unusual name that's escaping me off the top of my head. But wanted to make sure that that was clear why they were having their wedding uh, at the prom. So, yeah. I'm just going to say it would be homophobic if a heterosexual couple got married at the prom anyway. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> If one of them worked for the show, worked on the show, mm. like in this case, or one of them, or one of them was a uh, one-time drama desk winner, you mm. know, or, or a two-time Tony winner, whichever. Mm. One. I don't know. You hate to see it. <laughs> anyway, all right. Let's get on to the news, Ashley. You might remember that originally we had been led to believe that ABC would air a live concert slash semi-staged performance amalgamation of The Little Mermaid back in the fall of 2017, but then it was unceremoniously canceled. Well, on Monday at the network's Television Critics Association Fall Press Tour, it was announced that the unique live event was back on the schedule. It will air on Tuesday, November 5th to honor the 30th anniversary of the film and will include materials from the film and from the Broadway version of the show. Ali'i Cravalho, who played uh, or who was the voice of Moana on the big screen, will play Ariel. Queen Latifah will play Ursula. And reggae artist Shaggy, you know him as the guy who's saying, it wasn't me, will voice Sebastian. Now, actually, this, of course, is a completely separate project from the live action big screen adaptation, which will star Halle Bailey. Now, we don't have a ton of information about this, but from the journalists at the TCA event on Monday, which also included Alan Menken playing and explaining the origin of some of the songs, um, there were some details about the event, not a ton, but some. All that we know at this point is that we've seen some pictures of artists' renderings of the set, but we also know that this won't just be a traditional Park and Bark concert like we've seen from things like Phantom and Les Mis, um, but it won't be a live musical like we've seen on NBC or Fox. However, there apparently will be some sort of puppets or live motion capture going on. That's why we say Shaggy will be the voice of Sebastian. So I don't really know what that means. And I honestly can't understand what they're going for, Ashley. But 
Cavallo is fantastic. So mm-hmm. is Latifah. And come on, Shaggy is Sebastian. <laughs> if that's not the most inspired bit of casting that I've ever heard, I don't know what is. And if anybody has anything bad to say about it, right, go away. I'm gonna fight you if it wasn't you, me. If you had. <laughs> I'm going to fight whoever says it's bad cast. It's kind of the most glorious hodgepodge I've ever seen. Uh, you know, Shaggy is absolutely my favorite choice of the whole announcement. No one can change my no, mind no. on it. I completely disagree. He is not my favorite choice of the announcement. He's my favorite choice of all announcements ever oh, for yeah. anything. Absolutely. Like, this is brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, Cravalho is a really great casting choice. I'm glad she's getting more work between this. She also just booked a new Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. I stand by what I say that Ursula should only be played by drag queens. But since that's not happening anytime soon, Queen Latifah is the best possible choice. She was on a lot of people's lists, including my own, for better choices for the live action movie. So this will be really interesting to see. I, like you said, I kind of don't really know what they're going for yet. Especially as far as the puppeteering. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I don't know. It's going to be fun. I'm into it. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. We got another announcement yesterday that also somewhat involves an ABC television product, Ashley. And that is we found out the company of the previously announced Broadway premiere of Best Wall's Grand Horizon from Second Stage and directed by Lee Silverman. The show recently finished up a run at the Williamstown Theater Festival, and four of the five stars that were announced on Monday were part of that cast. Those four are the Tony-winning legend Priscilla Lopez, Molly Pancoli, and Tony nominees Thomas Sadowski and Ashley Park. At WTF, they were joined by Jesse Tyler Ferguson. However, because of his filming schedule for the final season of Modern Family, which is on ABC, as well as his preparations for the Take Me Out revival that'll be on Broadway in the spring, he has been replaced by another TV star and theater star, two-time drama disc winner Michael Yuri. Additional casting will be announced soon. The show will play second stage as Helen Hayes Theater for a strictly limited 10-week run from December 20th, through March 1st. Pre-sale via American Express begins September 25th, followed by audience rewards on the 27th, and then the plebes have an opportunity to buy tickets on October 2nd. (laughs) Ashley, this cast, in a show by Bess Wall, about a married couple of 50 years who move into a retirement home only for the wife to decide she wants out? Mm. Sounds sounds pretty fun to me. Yeah, feel-good show of the year. This is a hard combination of so many people I love between Bess and Ashley Park, Michael Urie, Lee Silverman, Priscilla Lopez. I can't wait for this show. I know very little about it, and yeah. it's one of my most anticipated of the season coming up. Um, in it, apparently, Ashley Park is pregnant in the show, and she mm. is Thomas Sadowski's wife. Nice. Sadowski and Michael Urie are brothers. So that's what I've got so far. Anyway, we will see what happens with that one. It should be a fun show that actually, you know, kind of ends 2019 and goes into 2020. So we'll see how that does at the box office. We did get one other Broadway announcement on uh, Monday, Ashley, as we learned the illusionists will be coming back to Broadway for the fifth year in a row. This time they will play the Neil Simon theater for a, fairly short run november 29th through january 5th of course they will have some magical competition this fall as the drama desk winning darren brown colon secret will also be playing the court ashley where do you come down on magic shows not necessarily on Mm. broadway um but just 
Magic, illusion shows in general. I was going to say, does Pippin count? Because <laughs> No, not nor that, no. nor the magic show. Uh, well, no, just, just magic in general. Like going and seeing an illusionist, magicians, whatever. I don't think I've seen one in at least a decade. So you would have to ask like teenage Ashley. I like Penn and Teller because I kind of like that deconstruction of magic more than anything else. But otherwise, I don't know that it's necessarily my uh, my thing, but I'm not buying tickets anyway. So Yeah, well, whatever. Um, I'm very excited. <laughs> there is a documentary dropping on Hulu later this month. It is about magician, comedian, uh, the amazing Jonathan, who mm. as a kid in the 90s, I absolutely loved. He was weird and crazy and completely unlike any other magician, completely unlike any other comic. Um, his career kind of spiraled after, yeah, I think he had some drug problems, but mm-hmm. then he was given one year to live. And then three years later, he started a comeback tour. So it's a really crazy story. And I think there might, like, I, I don't know if there's some people who are questioning his diagnosis. He just That's used that to start a career. I, I don't know, but I'm excited to see this documentary. So, so check that too. out. Yeah. So it's a, And check out some old videos of the amazing Jonathan. He was unbelievably funny anyway okie dokie ashley let's talk about last week's broadway grosses they were more or less flat from the previous week dipping less than one hundred thousand dollars despite being down a show from the previous week the total receipts came in at thirty three million seven hundred thirty thousand eight hundred eighty nine dollars the big story for me was that moulin rouge finally played a week at eight performances and came in third in the weekly grosses at one million nine hundred eighty seven thousand nine hundred and fourteen and that was still with a decent amount of second night press coming through, including you, Ashley. Mm. So um, once all of you press folks uh, get your comps out of the way, they will probably be able to push it up over two million. Sorry to hold you back, Moulin Rouge. Yeah, I think they're doing okay. <laughs> the average ticket price, obviously aided by the ultra premium can can seats, was one hundred ninety dollars and sixty one cents, second only to Hamilton. So this one is certainly looking to follow in Hamilton's uh, I don't know major footsteps. I don't know foot I was trying to think of a good money pun there, but um, definitely climbing up to the top of the rankings with Hamilton. Of course the hip hop history lesson continues to be top dog in most categories, most importantly in the grosses, where it was a tick up at three million six hundred sixty six thousand eight hundred twelve bucks. It was followed by the Lion King at two point four nine million, Moulin Rouge, To Kill a Mockingbird, Wicked, Aladdin, Ain't Too Proud, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Hades Town, Frozen, Dear Evan Hansen, The Book of Mormon, Phantom of the Opera, Beetlejuice and Mean Girls. For the first time in I can't remember how long, if ever, six of the bottom seven grossing shows were musicals. Obviously, that was helped a bit by all of the early play closings this summer. But when you take into consideration the fact that what the Constitution means to me was second from the bottom, but it was only 85000 short of its maximum potential gross. It's weird because of the size of the theater. Um, so you take that out because it's kind of a weird outlier. And the bottom shows are all musicals. Um, but it really puts things into perspective for beautiful Oklahoma, Be More Chill, Waitress, Pretty Woman in Chicago, working our way up from beautiful to Chicago. 
Seawall of Life was the next show at uh, $732,416, which is 72 and a third percent of their gross potential. Uh, Tootsie dipped below 50% of its gross potential for the second time this summer, pulling in what otherwise would look like a healthy $857,000, but being below 50% twice during the summer months is, is, is treacherous. In five shows, Barry Manilow grossed $956,611 in just five shows. That's pretty impressive because that extrapolates to $1.53 million on an eight-show week, but it's at only 68% of its $1.4 million gross potential if it had you know, done its absolute maximum for five shows. So, Ashley, as vacations start to end and kids start to go back to school, these numbers will continue to fluctuate, but for now... Other than Tootsie, which I still think isn't going to make it past January at the absolute latest, things seem to be fairly status quo. Yeah, we've balanced out a bit. Yeah. Matt, I can't wait for you to see Moulin Rouge. Oh my god. We haven't had our texting back and forth about the the booty shaking. (laughs) That's not a discussion for this podcast. Or, uh, Or public tweeter. Yeah, well, maybe my public Twitter. Yeah, not mine. No. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll 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 discuss that off air, but uh, it, it's it's definitely something that I'm considering and factoring into my decision to drop an obscene amount of money to sit in the can can seats. I'm not going to lie. I would highly recommend it to anyone who's considering it. I yeah. will just leave it at that for the PG discussion. I mean, especially if there's a certain swing that happens to be on. Anyway, okay, Ashley, let's wrap things up. <laughs> With some little news nuggets. First, the most exciting news of the day for me, and honestly, probably for you too, Ashley. Yes. The one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Mandy Patinkin, announced a national concert tour on Monday. The tour will start in Philadelphia on October 30th and will hit 30 cities in the U.S. and Canada through February. And I got to tell you, Ashley, I have never appreciated my decision to live in Florida more because he will not hit and he will hit not only one, not two, not three, but four cities in the Sunshine State. Now I've just got to figure out how many of them I'm going to be going to because I love me gotta, some Mandy Patinkin. Gotta catch all the Mandy Patinkins. Yes, absolutely. One of the, the greatest and one of my favorites of all time. Ditto. Anyway, okay, speaking of shows in multiple locations, apparently the producers of Six so enjoyed last week's Broadway announcement that they decided to do it again on Sunday night and again on Monday as they first announced a four-month run at Chicago's Broadway Playhouse beginning on July 8th. Then word is that if that run goes well, it will transition from just being a 16-week run to being open-ended, which... uh is is aggressive, which we'll get back to in a second. We also learned that the musical will have its Australian premiere at the Sydney Flippin' Opera House from January 4th through March 5th of 2020. I, actually, I hesitate to get into this because I know people get annoyed when we call into question some producing decisions from six. Mm. But the Australian one aside, because I don't care, that's literally on the other side of the world. Sure. But to have a 16-week sit-down that could become open-ended in a major U.S. Midwestern city, which is a fairly short flight from New York, starting performances less than five months after you open on Broadway, and after you've already done a major run in that city and another major city just a few-hour drive from New York, just feels like another choice that raises eyebrows. And while you and I have both 
said that we wish the show well and nothing but the best. Everybody right. involved is crazy talented, and we like mm-hmm. the fact that this decompresses, uh, you know, deconstructs the musical and is very, you know, boundary breaking. It started at a fringe festival, which I always love. Sure. But I'm really starting to question the production decisions on six, and I'm starting to think no, that this disagree. could be a big old flapperoony based solely on the producer's decisions, not on the material and the performances themselves. Mm, that's interesting. You know, any kind of bad producing decisions and the way it affects the show always makes me think of what happened with Great Comet. Yeah. It, it, it's just, I mean, they're doing multiple runs in major cities where a lot of people would be going to New York as tourists. Right. Um, doing one in Chicago or one in Boston makes sense but doing both and then opening another production in chicago less than half a year after you open on broadway it just makes me question it especially when the one on broadway is apparently not going to have any stars Uh, i know that people are really defensive about the 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 ladies who are playing the queens in this little mini pre-broadway tour and it again nothing against them i'm sure they are wonderful all the videos that i've seen are great but it's just like you're shooting yourself in your foot multiple times and maybe you can sustain mm-hmm. one shot in your foot if it takes out maybe like your fourth toe. But if you shoot <laughs> like your big toe and your pinky toe and then like a couple other in the middle, like it becomes really hard to stand. And I just worry that that's what's going to happen with six because of these things. And while they have Kevin McCollum as a producer on the show, a lot of these decisions are being driven by the folks who produced it in the mm-hmm. UK. And I just don't right. know that it's going to have the same resonance here that it did yeah. there where I would guess the majority of people could only name two, maybe three of Henry the eighth's wives. Um, I don't think it, people really care as much about the story. So I just, I'm worried and I get more and more worried with every announcement that six makes. But anyway, that went on far longer than I intended. So let's close out the show with a bit of good news. And that is that rock of ages has announced an extension off Broadway at new world stages through January 12th. It was originally scheduled to close on October 6th and somewhere our friend Rob Johnston is very happy, although his wallet might not be. So um, I think he's probably closing what two, 3000, times that he's seen a performance of rock of ages so this will give him a chance to uh, get to his next milestone but there you go 2000 2001 coming up so oh, we need a we need a musical version of that Ooh. 2001 a space opery no anything no anyway all right that's all i've got for today thanks for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook and twitter at broadway radio you can find me on twitter and instagram at bww matt ashley where can people find you you can find me on twitter and instagram at no this is ashley all right if you get a chance head over to wherever you get your podcast leave us a rating and review it would be uh, much appreciated as it helps other people find us uh and uh, we can all use that especially if you are worried about six's producing decisions yeah anyway prop them up (laughs) yeah (laughs) have a great tuesday everybody and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow